welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, the podcast that features conversations with writers of all types. Today's episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books has been sponsored by The Craft Studio. With locations in New York City, on the Upper East Side, and in Tribeca, The Craft Studio is a perfect place to bring your kids for some crafting fun. CraftStudioNYC.com. I'm here today with Kate Shelter, who is the author of Classic Style, Hand It Down, Dress It Up, Wear It Out, who does everything. She's an artist, branding expert, design guru, and stylist. Her work has been featured in Vogue, The New York Times, Domino, W, and many other publications. A graduate of the Rhode Island School of Design, Kate now lives with her husband and daughter in New York City and Cape Cod. Right? Yeah. Okay. Welcome, Hi. Kate. <laughs> Hi, Zoomy. Um, so you do like a hundred different things, right? Styling for runway, editorial, advertising, collateral packaging, murals and hotels and restaurants. Um, you make stationery and place cards, fashion, branding, illustrations, pajamas. <laughs> and you wrote this book, which I bought as soon as I saw it in... Um, KRB Designs on 74th and Lex. Amazing store for anyone listening who yes, wants to go. Shout out to KRB. Shout out to KRB. <laughs> um, I met Kate when, uh, you know, we met when you had a book party there and you had all of your illustrations up. Um, so what don't you do? Like, how do you organize your time? Do you still all do all of this? How do you schedule it? Like, that's the first thing I need to know. Well, I do one thing at a time. <laughs> so you've just... Uh, compiled my whole 20-year <laughs> career and into one paragraph. <laughs> so I have done each and every one of those things, but right now I focus on, um, well, being an author, but I've published my book, Classic Style, and so mostly I spend my time going between being an artist and an illustrator, and I work in watercolor, and I also do creative direction and branding for companies, which is something I've been doing since I graduated from college. Excellent. So it's really the one thing that all of those different things, the styling, the advertising, um, the art direction, all of that and the murals and everything else, <laughs> I forget all the things I've done. Um, but they all have in common is that I'm using my eye and my vision and my editing skills. So it's all about creating a composition. It's all about editing with my gut about what I love. And it's as much about what you don't use as what you do use. What's in the frame is important um, as a visual, no matter if it's an outfit, a piece of art that's hanging on the wall, a mural, it's all about what you put in and what you leave out. So interesting. And you can just tell, like you can look at an outfit yeah. and see like, this needs this, this needs that. Like how yes. do you, yeah, <laughs> you just, it's just a gift. You just were born it's that. So it's a, it's composition. I don't have a musical composition ear, but I have a visual composition eye. It's so neat. I want to get one of those. So for me, it's <laughs> like playing different instruments. Um, or you people call it wearing different hats. Right. Um, I just can see it. That's amazing. For um, my own aesthetic, you know, I mean, different people have different aesthetics, but for me, um, it's very clear what things are in harmony and what things create a healthy tension that makes things interesting, um, things that can be subtle. So it's sort of like using notes and pacing in music, but I can do it with colors and shapes. 
So neat. Textures. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, your classic style and all of your artwork and your watercolors, they have this sort of simplicity. I, that's like the wrong word because that sounds bad in a way, but because they're so, they're so interesting and yet, and almost photographic in a way. Like mm-hmm. I, I, um, like I really love photography and I love, I don't usually like the medium of like painting as much, but there's something about the way you do it that it, it's like you get this emotional reaction to it the way you would from a photo. Does that make sense? Right. Yes. What, yes. what do you, what do you think that's all about? Like I, why do people react Well, I think for two reasons. One is that um, I only, if you're talking about my paintings, Mm -hmm. I only paint things that I absolutely love in real life. Okay. So in that way, again, I'm editing with my gut by choosing the subject matter to paint. So I think if, if I'm reacting to it, hopefully someone else will be reacting to it. You know, in writing, they use the metaphor, if you're crying when you're writing it, your yep. reader will be crying when they read it. Yeah. If you really go to the heart and the truth of what you're doing. Yeah. And I think the other reason for that is that I work in watercolor and I work on a, I have a very specific type of paint and type of paper and brush that I use. My palette is, you know, the equivalent to a photographer's type of camera or film uh, or paper that they would print it on. And it's very simple and very immediate so it's not simple, boring. It's simple, truthful. So how did the book come to be? Did you decide, well, how did the book come to be? Um, I was just painting like crazy after I had my daughter. And I was sort of switching over from being a full-time stylist, art director, to a full-time artist, illustrator, um, and creative director. And... It just happened. I mean, I really didn't have a plan, but it's it, it's one of those things that in hindsight, it makes so much sense. And it's like, oh, that was the path that you were on. I was like, yeah, but I didn't know it at the time. And I was just painting while my daughter would nap. Um, I painted actually for about a year and a half while I was pregnant and before I was pregnant. I illustrated a book called Gypset by my friend Julia Chaplin, and that was the first time I'd had my illustrations published. And then it was sort of like friends who were also in the industry, so just people started just noticing it. And I was just playing around with Instagram and figuring out how that even worked. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a camera filter. I didn't understand that it was like social media or like why you would be on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not very social media savvy, sort of late to the game, although now I really have fun with it. Um, and so... What, it, what's your Instagram handle? Like, what's your... At Kate Shelter. Okay. K-A-T-E-S-C-H-E-L-T-E-R. <laughs> and um, uh, my agent approached me and said, you have a book in you. I don't know what it is or it has something to do with fashion. It has something to do with your career. It has definitely something to do with it's going to be visual with your paintings. And we just met with a bunch of different... Um, publishers and ended up going with Grand Central, um, which is a division of Hachette. And they, it all just bloomed out of our meeting and our conversation. And honestly, when I started writing the book, I didn't have an outline. I didn't have anything in mind. I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And then I would paint and paint and paint. Sometimes 
sometimes in the same day I would write and paint, sometimes I would do a week of painting. I didn't even know what I was painting. And then it wasn't until we were designing the book and my editor went through, and I fully credit my editor, Brittany, with um, architecting the book. She gave all of my sort of improvisations that I was very clear about but didn't exactly know the format to. She gave it a structure. She gave it the blueprint. And she'd say, you know, that paragraph that you want to be the conclusion or the last page of your book should be the introduction to your book. Something like that, for example. And then we sort of, I was really heavily involved in the design of the book, although I didn't actually design it. Um, And they let me sort of get in there and pair all the artwork with different passages. And then sometimes the designer would have an idea that would be really, like, eye-opening to me. And I would go with that. So... It was just a completely improvised uh, process that just came from my heart, (laughs) to be honest. And sometimes I would write passages and my editor would say, okay, you wrote three sentences, but I think you have about four pages. So just keep keep going with that. You know, I learned uh, words such as writing prompt. I was like, I didn't know that that was even a thing, (laughs) you know. so it was really, it was a two-year process from when we sold the book to when it was published. And I wrote and illustrated the book in about four months. Wow. And then, I mean, it just came pouring out of me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm just <laughs> going to keep doing it. And my I let, let my editor organize me. Um, and I just, I can't tell you how exciting it was to get, when she would ha- read through my drafts and then come back to me with comments, I was like... Oh my God, it was the most exciting emails to receive. Oh, that's awesome. So that's how it came about. And you had tried blogging, but you said you didn't like it at all. Yeah, I, that's like not a real, I didn't really blog. I mean, I wrote maybe five or ten articles for the Huffington Post. Mm-hmm. It was sort of right, let's see, when was that? It was like in the mid 2000s when everybody was like, blog. <laughs> and, you know, I think they sort of tapped me to have just sort of bring my sensibility but it wasn't really a for I think oh I know how it happened I was interviewed by a style writer for the Huffington Post and then they were like you should blog also I was like great but again it was a little bit like too much improvisation and I didn't have someone to sort of structure me in so I would sort of be like is this worth a blog post I just wasn't into it I was like I'd much rather just style people and then write about me styling about people. Right. <laughs> um, your book told a, a lot about the history of like how you got into illustration and everything. I, what I loved the most was all the stuff about your family. I don't know if that is that make me creepy or something, but no, that's, actually, <laughs> that's been the number one comment from every single really? reader. People who know me really well and people who don't know me. They all, and that was a shock that that was even in the book. Hmm. Again, that was sort of like I would kind of riff on, oh, my mom used to do this, or my sisters would do this, or my brother did this. My dad said this to me once, and they were kind of just peppered into the the manuscript, and my editor really encouraged me to go down those roads and... And I have a visual memory. I can almost remember everything I've ever seen in a weird way. Sometimes I need a little reminding. But 
um, you know, I just like would go down to like what type of fabric my sheets were made out of when I was 13 years old and how that, I still have that fabric in my house now. And just, there was a huge, I think a huge part of my creative process started when I was a teenager and all I would do is sit in my room and make art when I wasn't, you know, playing with friends or at school. And you told, um, you sort of put forth this theory that as a fourth child, when your family, when your parents got a divorce, you were in eighth grade and, Mm -hmm. um, your siblings had all basically left the nest at that point and Mm -hmm. you were left to sort through everything and that art and painting became one of the ways that you dealt with that. Is that right or Um, not not exactly right? It's kind of right. Well, first of all, my parents didn't get divorced when I was in eighth grade. They separated. Sorry, sorry. It's okay. It's fine. I'm just clarifying for myself. So there was ambiguity. They didn't get divorced until after I got out of college, actually. Oh, wow. And there was just a lot of pain and ambiguity. And um, it was very lonely. And at the same time, I had these really loving siblings who were constantly checking in on me and my parents were doing the best they could but I had always done art I had always loved to make things with my hands since you know there's pictures of me always dressing up and always making things but it became kind of my I don't even realize it until looking back on it. It was it's sort of like the glue that held it all together. It's what I would do. You know, there mm-hmm. wasn't iPhones. I was really not even allowed to watch television growing up. And so there was a lot of quiet in the house. And, and I just filled it with making collages for friends, cutting up old magazines, always making things, patching my jeans and all my mom's fabric remnants <laughs> like, like Pierre de patches all over my jeans Laura Ashley Schumacher fabrics all the you know, <laughs> and I would patch my Levi's and um, use my mom's sewing machine do things I was always making things with my hands I feel like we grew up in the same time like all of those things that you are painting or you put in the book are things like I'm like, oh my gosh, like those tree torns I had, or, yeah. you know, the, the like, what you're saying, like, Pierre in the de 80s. fabric. I know, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why I feel lately there's been this big 80s nostalgia that's even, like, more, like, it's everywhere, and it's, I'm thinking about it a lot more, and I don't know, I just feel yeah. like it's, like, it's coming into vogue now, almost. I just, I just always go with things that I love, and my mom was an interior designer, and has a really classic sense of style, and also... She actually lives in Europe, and um, now she does. And, you know, all the things that she always loved, I definitely love. But I do it in a slightly different way. Yeah. (laughs) It's so cool. Yeah. Um, In the book, you have a lot of these two-page experts sprinkled in interviews with your friends. Yes. Kind of like a end of Vanity Fair, you know, like... It was heavily inspired by that (laughs) page. Yes, it was. Um, But you didn't do one for you. So I wanted to ask you a few of the I felt questions. like the whole book was I know, but sometimes, <laughs> I know, but, like, just the cliff notes. Yes. So can I ask you just a few, and then you just give me, like, a cliff notes answer? We'll try it. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Preferred mode of transportation? My vintage Schwinn bike. Always in your fridge? Uh, 
mustard. Okay. Uh, quick description of your overall look. Carefree, simple, 70s inspired. Nice. Um, Kate, by the way, is wearing white jean overalls and a white t-shirt sitting here and looks just super cool with her, like, brown leather clothes Thank and her you. basket. <laughs> it's the first day I saved these first. for you. It was the first day I've been able to wear these uh, overalls. <laughs> it's like this gross day outside and you're looking so chic and elegant. Thank you. Um, Go-to drink. Water. Sparkling water. Sparkling water. Skill you dream of mastering. Oh, that's a tough one. I love all the things that I already love. I, I'm going to pass on that one. Okay. I'll give you two passes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Product you've used since high school. Clinique Foundation. The same exact shade. Wow. Uh, most but new new bottles of new, it. I know, the like, <laughs> crusty, like no. Um, and Maybelline Great Lash Mascara in brown. In brown, okay. Uh, most worn out shoes. Now I would say my clogs or my Converse All Star sneakers. Favorite candy. Reese's peanut butter cup. Oldest item in your wardrobe. Items for my mom. On your nightstand. Picture of my daughter and lip balm. How old is your daughter? Five. Oh, I have a five. Um, favorite place in the world? Cape Cod. With his, Italy as the second <laughs> runner-up. <laughs> favorite season? Summer. Me too. Book you keep close and refer to often? Classic style. Classic style. Like <laughs> no, I would say all of my, I say this in the book, uh, I keep a well-edited collection of self-help books nearby whenever I feel lost. And hmm. want, And they're heavily underlined, dog-eared, like lots of notes written in the margins. <laughs> What's a good... But also I would say cookbooks because mm -hmm. I love to cook and... I tend to only keep books around that I really use and read, and it's sort of like in your wardrobe, with, there's exceptions, but like if you haven't read something in six months to a year or referred to it, you know, consider sharing it with a friend or donating it to a library. Yeah, you wrote in your book, um, as a rule, I generally don't keep novels around. I lend them to friends or I borrow them from libraries. Books need circulation. Find your own measure for keeping books at bay and apply it ruthlessly. Books are meant to be shared, loved, and used, not collect dust. Mm -hmm. I thought that was so interesting because I feel like keeping my favorite novels around, it's like kind of, they like the characters kind of greet me if mm -hmm. I look at them. I know that sounds ridiculous. No, it does not. It, for me, I'm a, um, I have this thing with books where I really like to read my own category I call applicable knowledge. Okay. So I really like books that teach, that um, show you how to do something, for example, a cookbook, self-help book, uh, a book on meditation, for example, and any kind of design book where there's, you know, big monographs with photographs and images that I can refer back to that are sort of like history-related. Novels, to me, um, I have so many favorite novels. Um, I love Jonathan Franzen. I love um, Donna Tartt. Mm -hmm. and for, but for me, reading a novel is like watching a movie, and when it's done, I'm not going to, like, 
pick up a novel and be like, what was that one concept? Right. I mean, maybe I would, but for me, they're like movies. I was never the kind of person who had a DVD of every movie they loved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like you see it and mm-hmm. then you let it have a life afterwards. <clears throat> I like that. I definitely have a large library of books, but I don't just keep everything because I, I read it once. Right. Um, so you told a funny story in the book about how you met your husband. Um, how um, you said you met him at, quote, a dinner party on a freezing January night, the kind of night you want to bail on all your plans because you'd rather stay home, watch TV, and eat a burrito on the couch. But I braved the cold because I believe in showing up, and I needed some cheer during the winter gloom. So tell, tell me about that. What else can I tell you? Um, well, I walked into the dinner party. It was a small, <clears throat> I think there was like eight or nine of us, and I wasn't set up with him. I actually was under the impression that he was with somebody else. And he walked in and he was just, he, he was, a, he, he had a certain look. And I just thought, oh, he's not, he's not available, you know? Mm-hmm. And his best friend was also there. And we just had like a great night. We ended up being, uh, we ended up <laughs> doing vodka shots and dancing <laughs> to the, Pandora, the Rihanna Pandora station. It was in 2009. And, um, and then he ended up going home early because he had a meeting in the morning and he needed to be fresh and ready for the meeting. So I was like, okay, you know, no big deal. And then his best friend and my best friend are also really good friends. And they kind of played Cupid and they were telling him that I liked him and they were telling him uh, me that he liked <laughs> me. And we got together for several more group brunches. And then I think after the second or third one, it was history. <laughs> And I like how that came at the end when you were saying how you'd had this big sort of party girl, like it girl type existence for a long time, out every single night at every benefit, yeah. every fashion event and every everything, and that you were just ready. You just, it was like time. I was ready before I met him, okay. for sure. I was, I, I'm not going to, for those of you who are out there who are listening, it wasn't as like effortless or, you know, it definitely I, I had been in a period of my life where for several years I was ready for that transition well it sounds it was definitely fun to read about your life prior yeah it was a it was a totally different life I'm so glad I have that in the past yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um do you uh does your daughter love to paint like do you do the watercolors with her um I do paint that she loves to be outside so in the winter time when it's freezing and we're in New York um I feel that I end up doing she does a lot of art and stuff at school, and I don't paint with her as much as I feel like one would think, or sometimes I'm hard on myself, I think I should paint more with her. But I certainly, there's art supplies everywhere, and um, we we do paint and draw. I mean, she's painting and drawing all the time, every day. Right. So I do it with her as much as possible, and I like to visit her school Maybe once a year, twice a year, and do art projects with the whole class. So fun. Like last year we did, um, brought in some real sunflowers, and then we, inspired by Matisse, we did uh, paper cutouts with, we made sunflowers. You needed to come to my kids' It was a little preschool project. It was (laughs) so cute. And then we made a, the teacher made a book of all the different artwork afterwards. But um, my daughter is an athlete and she loves to run around she loves to swim 
and just be outdoors. It's always like, when can we go outside? <laughs> and are you still close to your siblings? I feel like yes. I, I wanted to know more about them. I feel like you need like a follow-up <clears throat> book about, like maybe there's one chapter from each, you know how books do it, like one chapter from each of your siblings, yeah. <laughs> and the parents, and then we go back, and then you like tie it all together. Because um, I felt yes. like my curiosity was so piqued about what they were like, because you would t- say just like a few things about each sibling. and um, it's, one of, it's one of those classic situations with siblings where everyone sees us and I'm constantly being mistaken for my two sisters. We all kind of look alike um, and we all get along. We also are all very different. And this, like I think the older we get, um, we all have very different lives, um, but we spend the summers together. Oh, that's nice. And it's good. It's just, but you know, it's like any family. I feel like the more time you spend together, the more sometimes things come up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're really, li- and that's a good problem to have. You know, we're a very open family. We talk about everything. We face everything. Um, we, I think we're a very emotionally evolved family and there was never like a taboo topic right. or something that was not dealt with. At least that's how I feel. Hmm. You know, I feel like with the good and the bad, when there's problems and when there's great joys in our life, like we, we do come together. That's great. And I've noticed that with all of your paintings of objects, there's, I haven't. I can't even think of a painting you've done of a person. That's very good of you to notice that because I I have done a lot of commissions. Um, people often commission me to paint their children, or and I'm very specific about what I'll agree to do, and then I always suggest a specific way to paint them because I, I there's an impressionism in my work. Um, sometimes my work can be more realistic. But there is a, there's just an impressionism that happens with watercolor, and I think portraits are so tricky. I think they're I think figurative painting is so much more interesting when it's uh, impressionistic. But there's an expectation when somebody hires you to paint a commission of your daughter or your son, they they're expecting it to look a certain way. Where I think you know a portrait is beautiful that Matisse paints or Van Gogh paints, where like there's a there's a likeness, but there's not a photo likeness. Mm-hmm. See, I, I think photography is so much better right. for capturing that, actually. I feel like it's almost a waste. Like I would want you to I would want you to paint some like my my daughter's lovey or my other Which daughter's I also polar do. bear. Or yeah. like, do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if I were trying to capture my kid you style, you know? Because mm-hmm. you just like somehow the objects speak more sometimes about the person yeah it's the things that you don't even realize it's like you know the, sh- the torn blankie that looks like swiss cheese mm-hmm. that kind of looks dirty and disgusting <laughs> right but that's the most important object to yeah. your child or and like that clock you do you painted of your dad's my dad had that clock in the 80s the brawn little oh, black yeah, we one have them all over our house oh my gosh Still. i haven't seen it since probably 1989 or something anyway my I, dad is obsessed oh when he's like kate if you ever see these in new york because i'll tell i'll be like sometimes you can find these at like muji or some yeah, yeah. store in chinatown um or the moma design store and he's like if you ever see them in New York, buy me like 10 of them. Uh, <laughs> I want to give them as stocking stuffers. <laughs> but we have them in like almost every room of our house. Wow. Well, most awesome. of them. I, I keep 
I don't wear a watch, but I keep a clock in the bathroom because we all have computers and phones now, so that's a good time teller. But the bathroom is really where I find that you're most thinking about time because you're usually going to bed or waking up and needing to leave the house. Yeah. So I don't keep a clock in the bedroom because I feel like that's stressful. Hmm. I don't like to hear the tick, 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 tick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and do you have any plans to do any other books? Um. Um, there was a time where my friend Marina and I were thinking of doing a children's book together that she was going to write and I was going to illustrate. But um, I kind of had to focus on getting classic style out first. And then I realized that it was like having a second child with this book. It took me a long time to recuperate from all of the work and then, you know, a good solid year of uh, book signings and press. It, I, we were very fortunate with all of the love we got for the book. But then afterwards, I was like, whoa, this really, this really was a, it really impacted my life. And I just needed to give it that space. So my agent gave me great advice. She said, don't write a book just to write a book. Write a book because you have something to say. And so while I didn't know what I was trying to say when I started to write this book, I knew I had a voice and I had something to get out. And so I have thought about writing um, classic home mm. and then classic travel because those are yep. two other things I'm so passionate about. I love interior design and architecture. And I talk a lot about that in classic style. And I also love to travel. And I also talk about that. And Traveling influences my work so much because we're constantly aware of tiny little details um, when we arrive in a new place that we would take for granted if it were the street that we pass, you know, mm -hmm. the house we pass every single day of our life. You're not going to notice as much as, uh, you know, for example, like if you get off the subway in Paris, you're going to notice that their subway signage is different than our subway signage in New York or those little blue enamel uh, address numbers that are on the side of buildings. Like, I just love all those tiny little details that maybe people don't notice, but that's, to me, the soul of a place. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. I, love, <laughs> I really love your work. And, again, the book is classic style, amazing book to read, to give as a gift, yes. anything. So. Thank you. All right, thanks. This episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books has been sponsored by The Craft Studio, craftstudionyc.com. Mm -hmm.